I am unashamed. What about you? And it says they were to last until the time of the new order, meaning the way the, the way you're going to go about approach your worship. What is the new order? You're in a place of rest, but you're not. You're too dumb to know it. <laughs> you're still thinking it depends on your works. I mean, you're in a place yeah, of I, rest. I think I read that in my commentary for oh, sure. I agree you're in a place of rest, but I agree you're too with that. Dumb to somebody know it. says you don't understand. Uh, where is that? Where he says you, but you just don't understand. Where is that? Uh, is that? I think that's where we're at now. Five, where he said you don't understand. You're too dumb to know. Yeah, well, he said. He, um, yeah, he says, uh, by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need milk, which yeah, is funny. Yeah, you're slow to learn. Me, yeah. Yeah, when we got in here this morning, Phil said something about, boy, it was meaty, which is actually perfect segue into Hebrews 5, uh, what is it, 5, 11, yeah. about getting onto the meat and off of the milk. Yeah, I mean, which was good because – Dad, you took our conversation yesterday or in the last podcast as being a meaty approach, but that's kind of the whole point of the Hebrew writer. He's like, so. we, you need a little more meat. Yeah. Yep. It, it needs to be a little deeper, which is kind of what we're going to go into today. I mean, you know, when you, by the time we get out of this phase, we're getting in the next one, you know, you know, copies the first, the, the first, uh, the, 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 the old order was, you know, the priests and the sacrifices and all that time up for the new. It was then for the, like the Hebrews 9, 28, uh, 9, 9, 23. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly thing to be purified by these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. In other words, when Jesus came for Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that he's trying to get them to see that it all comes down to a person. You yeah. know what I'm saying? No, exactly. Because they still had it without the person. They're still, you know, practicing. Trying to stay into the system of yeah. everything they had known. Yeah. Right? Which becomes the whole point. Which, which, think about it from what you've seen in modern day Christianity, Al. I mean, these people are told we're moving past this. They're like, do what? After 1,500 years? I mean, you know, I mean, a couple of thousand years. Ever since Jesus showed up, a new order has shown up here. A whole way of worship is different. I mean, it, it would have been a, uh, you see all these legalistic churches now. It would have been a bone to be chewed to get them to say, no, no, there's no special days anymore. And there's no regulations now. Nope. Or people in between. People you know, in between. Mediators, you, yeah. You, you, and these sacrifices thinking somehow that's going to make you look better before God. No. Right. You, you need a savior. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, the Hebrew writer is plain about that. Well, it's uh, so. But to, but to, put, to get it to the this uh, denominational type system that we've got now, thousands of different different rules and different regulations and people gather up around this one and around that one and around mm -hmm. the other one. I mean, he's trying to bring everybody together on the one head, even Christ, but I mean, it's up, it's, it's, it's like pulling teeth, Zach. You, you've been around, you've met with different groups and this and that and other, and some of them got some, okay, got it on straight and some of them not. 
So that's the world we live in. But I, yeah. I think maybe I the, the, the Hebrew argument is the best one. Yeah, I think it is. I love that. I love you. You mentioned the word copy because you go back and look at, you know, you divide the book of Hebrews up in the sections just to kind of recap where we have been. You know, you got chapter one and two, which is, you know, the warning there. there well, there's there's an elevation of Christ. Christ is better than the angels. He's yep. better than the Torah. Yep. And then if you look at each section, he also has a warning. You know, don't go down this route. Uh, chapter three and four, uh, the person that Jesus is better than Moses. He's better than the promised land. And then there's a warning. Plus he's chapter saying, five through seven. All this is better, the Hebrew writer, in Christ, the fullness of everything is made made known. But but y'all are still trying to drag all your past uh, regulations and rules into a, a, a system that's based on grace and mercy and rest. Yeah, I mean, you see, you, you see the, the, the difficulty of that. They're, yeah, they're like, and, they're and, like and, it's too good to be true. I mean, if I don't have to work my way to heaven, I mean, how, how, how's that going? They, they just are, 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 are being slow to understand that Jesus solved all that through simple trust and faith in him. And your lifestyle that follows. It's it, it's just it's so easy and so simple that it's uh, what's the word? It's uh, profound. Yeah, and and then and there is a consistent warning throughout the whole book of Hebrews. I think it'd be a mistake for us to read you know read the book any other way. I mean, there is um, it is a warning. It's a it, the whole book is a, is a warning to anyone who would take the copy and worship the copy instead of the original, the real thing. And um, all of these shadows or copies or like, uh, you know, you got the, the angels in the Torah, then you got Moses in the promised land, then you got the priest. Um, and, uh, and all Jesus these animal sacrifices, the, they still want to hold right, on that's to eight, that. Eight and, eight and ten is eight through ten is the sacrifices in the covenant. Yeah. Jesus is better. And then he ends with a hopeful renewal in, in 11 through 13, a hope for renewal that's coming in the future and and it's partly already here so so then when you get into hebrews five that's why i think he's moving uh, and then six is where it kind of gets a little hairy because we start talking about you know that dreaded verse that everybody hates to hates to read and what does it mean uh which we'll get into a little bit but by the way yeah i enjoy reading if you go four, if you go four sixteen, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence He's trying to tell them this is all through a person, Jesus, so that you may receive mercy and 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 listen to it and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's like grace itself is difficult to find. I mean, it's uh, in the in the in the transformation from a law of works and a system of grace. Oh, they are miles and miles apart. I, I mean, uh, Zach, you see what I'm saying? Well, the irony to me is that, and I've, I've mentioned this before, what, what's interesting about the study of Hebrews is that all throughout the Old Testament, there was a warning and challenge about looking back, not trusting God and deliverance. Because, yep. I mean, we talked about Lot's wife. We talked about the all the ones that were in the desert after they'd come out of Egypt. You go into all of the the prophets, you see the same thing. God would offer a path of deliverance and say, so you have to trust in me, 
even under the system of the old covenant and old works, yep. God was still, faith in him was still the way out. The, that is that's correct. why Abraham became the father of the faithful, because he didn't turn back. And it did call for much grace on God's part. Yeah. As he's leading these people and they're going wandering over here, over there. They're going this, that, and other. I mean, like Aaron, he goes, first thing right. he does, create this idol, like everybody bowing down to it. It's, they went back. I mean, the idea was God was giving them something new, and they, they went back to the old ways of Egypt. And he didn't like it at all. So I think that sets it up when we get to this section, Zach, and when you get to 511, because he's just introduced this thought about the Jesus being the high priest and how he's greater, and now he's going to give the warning that you mentioned, that he's mentioned every step of the way. But I think it goes back to how he started the whole letter. He's like, you know, in the past, God, he spoke to our forefathers because they're kind of trying to go back to the past, right. the very forefathers that yeah. he's addressing. But when he says, but in these last days, which Im implies not only is this the word, because, you know, this is the final word. Right. Which and is there's a, not which going is, to be any other. No. It, it, so when you kind of step back and think about that, there's there's an ultimatum here. Yep. Which made me realize it's like, it's kind of like, you know, we use this illustration about marriage. Well, you know, when you get married, I think most people that are, when you're immature, which, you know, I was, <laughs> you think, well, this is going to work out if you do everything I say. Well, that's not marrying a person. <laughs> that's that's marrying an appliance <laughs> you know that's marrying a regulation <laughs> but i think we do the same thing with god it's like well you know let's just put him on the shelf and yeah. and, and but when you when you realize the final word means there's some things that he's gonna say that reflects the character of god that you're not gonna like right and a lot of these things he's saying here they're not liking, <laughs> but I think that's what a relationship is all about, which is ultimately what he was introducing. Right. But so, you know, I think that's the struggle in all this. It, it's, you know, just like a, well, a relationship, a relationship's deeper. And I think that's the, what they're, they're settling for a very superficial, um, I got not even a relationship, but a superficial interaction with the living God. So, Cause it's weird when he gets to 11, it's like, we've been talking about these weighty things like this guy, Melchizedek and this new priesthood. And it's, it's rather complicated. And then he, and, and very kind of heady and theological. And then you, you move into verse 11 and it's like, he flips the switch and he says, concerning him, who Jesus and how he relates to Melchizedek, we have much to say. And he, he recognizes it's hard to explain and then he says, why, since you have become dull of hearing. And then he moves into like this new conversation about spiritual maturity. And it's like, how is that linked up with what we've been talking about? And I think what it is, is because um, he talks about at the end of he, well, let me just read it. Um, he said, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you you have uh, have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. You're just a baby is what he's saying. For everyone who partakes only of milk, this is this is how you know. They're not accustomed to the word of righteousness. I think the NIV says the teachings about righteousness, mm -hmm. for he is an infant. He's a baby. But solid food is for the mature, 
who because of practice, these are your liturgical habits, they have their senses trained to discern good from evil. So so what does that what does that have to do with Melchizedek and all of these deeper matters? I think the point is if you worship the copies, you're never going to move on to real spiritual maturity because you're not really investing in a relationship. You're not your senses are dulled because you're 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 going for the most superficial form. And that's why he's calling us to something more, something deeper, something that's real, you know? Yeah, well well that's what to use my illustration about the appliance. Appliance doesn't say, Hey Jace, you're you're wrong or I disagree with this or this is not gonna work or that's why I said when you when Jesus says the final word and you start reading these passages about he's looking into my heart and and seeing my motives and my attitudes. Mm-hmm. Well, this, this, this takes on a whole new, you know, religion that, that I didn't sign up for. I mean, it's all of a sudden it's getting uncomfortable and it's getting personal. And we're talking about my whole life and how I operate and why I do what I do. And so that's a, that's a lot different than going through a ceremony or a ritual trying to, you know, make my mistakes right. And I mean, just participating in the ritual is good enough. Yeah. And then you could go out, you could kind of fake that really, you know what I mean? You, you, right. you followed all the, all, all the instructions. It looks religious. It smells yeah. religious. Uh, yeah. But then you kind of go off and do what you want to inside on your normal life. And I think that's the, the big contrast here. Well, <clears throat> I call this section uh, in my notes the depth charge because it's it's a it's basically a charge about how deep are you willing to go. And Zach, you mentioned uh, in your from your sermon from Matthew thirteen talking about the kingdom last time. I went back and I was looking at that, and when you look at the parable of the sower, you know there were basically three out of the four soil situations were not good. Only one produced righteousness, which is yep. to Zach's point, he read a minute ago. But the reason why is they had no depth. You know, one, they just got snatched up right off the bat. Side of the road. Yeah. Side of the road. One, they had they they had a little bit of root system, but not enough. The next one, stuff grew up around them and chokes them out. So the idea is three out of four of the parable of the sower illustrations don't have depth. Therefore, they don't stand the test of time. So I, I, I couldn't help but think about that when I thought about this context, because that's kind of what he's talking about. Let's take our first break. So um, I'm excited, Missy, that you're here because we're talking about uh, Tommy John underwear today. Ooh, my favorite. And uh, so dad has famously said that when he walked out in front of mom uh, in his <laughs> Tommy John, she said, wow. <laughs> And so yeah. that's that's that, that that's a man she was looking at that was seventy six years old. So so he put the Tommy John put the wow enters Tommy John. So, so I have the burning question: the first time you saw I don't Jace think this is appropriate in his Tommy John's. What 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 did you say? Did do you remember? I said, well, I think I said, do those come in women's? 
because they look really comfy. <laughs> and they do. And, and I now wear that. nothing else but Tommy John. So so our, to, our, our, to our wonderful Unashamed audience, in case you were wondering, it's not just for the guys. It's also for the ladies. They also have great loungewear as well. They've sold over 17 million pairs. So obviously a lot of people love Tommy John. There's no risk because you're covered with the Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee and and, uh, and you won't want to get your money back promise me um so shop tommyjohn.com slash phil right now you're going to get 20 percent off your first order so that's 20 percent off right now tommyjohn.com slash phil see their site for details and love your tommy john is the idea that without depth you can't determine good from evil is, is what he actually says in the Hebrew context. So you need that. I was thinking about the depth charge, you know, you see those submarine, you know, movies. And if you're just running along, they're pretty shallow. They would dump out those depth charges out of the back of that, you know, ship above you and just blow you to smithereens. So what do you do? You got to go deep to yeah. survive the barrage. And I, I think you could say, make the same illustration, you know, from a spiritual perspective, you got to have depth to understand righteousness. I don't disagree. I mean, because I think, you know, if you, and meanwhile, if you stay shallow, you're probably participating in sinful activity. And the more you do, the, you know, I remember you think back to any sin you commit. Well, the first time you do it, you're like, you feel guilty. It was wrong. But the more you do things, you start losing sensitivity. And there's a lot of, lot in the in the word about that. All of so, a sudden, you develop a pattern it's a pattern and your heart becomes hard. I mean, it all started from being shallow, but then after a while you're calling wrong, right. And you, cause you've justified it for so long. I, I think there's a lot of things working simultaneously. It's not like you, you know, meanwhile, while you're staying shallow, you're, you're probably participating in things you shouldn't cause it, it is shallow. But in this case, the shallow water is, the introduction to Jesus, I think they had missed that. It's like it's kind of like you say, "Oh well, I got that. I, I need you know. Let's move on." You haven't but, produced a crop yet. The first three, there's no crop that's produced because it. The first one, you know, fall on the side of the road, the birds eat it up. It's gone. Yeah. So, and you look at the next one; it's the weeds choke it out, and then all that. So, so there's no crop. There's well, no right. Fruit. Well, I guess my point is though they were not given Jesus the due respect and focus that they should be. And it's, and it's one, 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 when we were in chapter two, I remember looking at this, it just popped into my head though. But when he said, I was looking at the Greek phrase when it says, we must pay more careful attention, therefore to what we have heard so that we don't drift away. But that pay more careful attention, you know, and they were, I was looking at the definition of that phrase and it was like obsessed. It, it was, it was more like a, uh, you know, a obsession with what drew you into this. Well, he's talking about Jesus. Cause he says for the message spoken by angels was binding. So I guess you're making a case here of what happened at Sinai under the law and every violation, disobedience received, it's just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? So then it gets into the Lord. 
But what I'm saying is if you hear that and say, oh, okay, and then move on, move on to what? Which I think is setting the foundation for what we're going to talk about in Hebrews 6. Once you move away from Jesus, that's that's the most dangerous thing to move away from on the planet. Yeah. And I think that's his point. It's like, no, you hear, you're introduced to Jesus, you surrender to Jesus, but then you become obsessed with with realizing what that means because it's ultimately the communication of God. I mean, that's why he started this and why he's referred to as the word. You want to know the character of God? You become obsessed with Jesus on a daily basis. Yep. It's a good point, Jay. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. I think when you get into um, Hebrews six, you got it. You have to refer back to this part that we're discussing right now because what we're talking about is uh, milk. Uh, we're talking about uh, kind of the superficial part of of uh, uh, just the first kind of the first level. We talked about the parable of the sower. Um, and, the, and the four seeds and all that that we were talking about that were, were thrown on the road, some and, and what we were just discussing. But he says here that the milk is the elementary principles. So he says you gotta, you got, you got, you you need the elementary principles because you're still like you, like y'all just getting the milk. But there's more beyond the elementary stuff because we know that because when he gets to Hebrews six, he defines what the elementary teachings are. He says we need to leave those, not leave them behind, like forget them. But we got to think what he's saying is we need to move beyond just the elementary teachings about uh, Christ. Let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, of instructions about baptism or washing. I think your translation says baptism and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Um, like th- that's foundational stuff. Like we, we, how many times have we seen people come um, in? They come to Jesus. Uh, we've we've seen them baptized. We've we've watched that initial. You know, they they ride high for about six months, and then you turn around and 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 they're gone. Right, and you're never to be never to many be seen times, again. Many times. Yeah, and yeah, it's a, it's a real. But I like the the if you follow the illustration that he starts with Zach when you before you get to those things you mentioned, it makes sense that you you're talking about your health. In other words, I mean you you have a baby at home, Zach and Jason, Missy do too, and it's natural for them to to take milk in the early stages because that's what gets them to a point to be ready then to grow into a child, and there comes a point in time where milk no longer provides growth and provides health. I, think I mean, it, it served its purpose, but now you've got to have the meat. That's you've got why to have he it. views the scriptures, his words, the writer of Hebrews, that the scriptures is, is uh, shown to be food, spiritual food. Right. You know, those who have, you know, Kept, obey the scriptures, you know, that's that's feasting on solid food. It's for the mature. Yeah. They know the difference between good and evil. And we've seen a lot. If you don't make a, if you don't finally make a clean cut there, you have, you'll have really troubles following Jesus. Well, Christ. almost every writer uses this illustration. You're right, Dad. And Peter, you see it in several Paul's oh, writings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The idea is, is this is your spiritual food. So you have to have that to have growth. And so you're right, Zach. It's more of a, it's not leaving it in the sense that 
those don't matter anymore. It's just that that's the early foundation. Yep. Yeah, and I just look now at we're it, built on. I top. see why we I see why we go in two different directions after this now though, because uh, because see my my view is that he's listing all these things as fundamental teachings about Christ, but if you if you try to separate them from Jesus, correct, then. You're, just think about it. if you talk about all these things: repentance, uh, faith, baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection, eternal judgment. But you minimize Jesus in these discussions. Yep. Well, all of a sudden, what's the point? Right. And so then, when he transitions and goes in it, he starts talking about those who have participated using Jesus as the focus in all these things, which right. I would argue is, is maturity. It's not just the issues. It's the issues as it points back to Jesus and your participation in that, which I go back to that Christ is in you. I mean, there's one thing to learn about Jesus. There's another thing to be obsessed with him to the point where you've sold out and surrendered. And then he, is then living in you. So you're, this is an obsessive 24 seven thought process, attitude process and lifestyle of being like Jesus. So which ultimately gets to the point of, well, if you turn your back on that, on Jesus and the participation in it, you're not coming back because that is the way back. You've burned the bridge, which is Jesus. He's saying sometimes human beings, it happens a lot. Uh, they they zero in on what I can do instead of what he's already done. Well, in all these issues, too. It, yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. You can yeah. say, well, I've been baptized. Uh, what here's saying. what's going to happen at the resurrection. But, but once you remove Jesus, the filter of Jesus, in all these processes, what what is it? There, You could be right on them. You could be you know, you could tell what's going to happen. There's a resurrection and you could share with how to repent and change your life and the differences. I mean, there's a, there's a, this is happening in our world today. My whole point is once you remove Jesus as the reason, the focus, the obsession, I, I don't know how else you want to, want to put it. There's no place to come back to because that was the place. It, 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 there's it, it's an it's a situation which is what he's warning them of. It's a critical point. I mean, he keeps saying, "I don't want you to drift away." I don't drift away from what the person of Jesus, which is how which is my whole point, which is how this thing got started. So I think there was a lack of understanding from their part on on really uh, that went back to what we read in John when he said it. He came to those. Uh, what's it saying, John? Uh, he came to those, basically referring to the Jewish nation, and it says, "Yet, but they didn't understand it." Mm. And uh, I think that's the same problem here. He's, he's trying to get them to understand that this whole process of of your forefathers and the prophets, Jesus is way above that. I mean, and you see examples in the Gospels of this. You remember when he was telling his disciples, I forgot what they were talking about, but they were talking about, uh, I think he was talking about casting out demons and he was going to give this them authority, which under this heading would be, you know, laying on of hands. Jesus lays his hands on his disciples. I mean, what what a power. 
But then they're having this conversation, and, and I think it's Matthew 10. And then all of a sudden, he drops this bomb he, to them. He says, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He says, hey, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Well, that's the difference in Jesus and all these other people. All of a sudden, he's going back before the creation of the planet saying, look, I saw that. And then he's like, don't be excited that you have this power, but you get your joy from your name being written in the book of life. And so I'm just using that as an example. It's like we could sit around and talk about like what they were doing about laying on of hands and this, this awesome power and, you know, what's going on. But all of a sudden you realize that Jesus is so much more superior than any of these other prophets or, or, you know, people or even the shadow of what's happening. I mean, this is so beyond and you can have this relationship with a person, but there is some finality to it, which which means your life has got to change. There, there's a big changes that's going to happen. John was watching. Hang on, Dad. Let's take a break. So I just uh, crossed the pond, as they say, went to uh, to Greece and some other places in Europe. It was a fantastic uh, trip. But uh, Zach, one of, I, I would say my favorite and most important thing was my Raycon earbuds, because if you're going to spend that much time on an airplane, you've got to be able to listen to some music. Uh, and Raycons is the way that we do that. They have three different Raycon. Raycon, that's right. They have three different sound profiles, which helps you with the noise isolation, which is what I used on the plane. It basically blocks everybody else out, but you can switch it to awareness if you want to be able to hear your surroundings. So I really like that feature about them. They also have eight hours of playtime, 32 hour battery life, which is important when you have a long flight. Oh, wow. So they're very good and half the price of other premium audio brands. So you're going to save some money as well. Once you check these guys out, Raycon's wireless earbuds, uh, and they have 49,000 five-star reviews, and trust me, you'll be one of them. Buyraycon.com slash unashamed is how you get them. You're going to get 15% off your first order. That's buy, B-U-Y, Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash unashamed to get 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash unashamed. John was watching, observing uh, the, his own people, the Jews, and, and when in that John one that you started with, there he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband, but a husband's will but born of God. And somewhere in that, in that, that's where, where it started, because you got to remember, Jace, uh, the vast majority of the Jewish people that he came to, they rejected him outright and said, kill him, kill him, get rid of him. So it, it starts off with a, a, a law. It, you're going to have to really have the capability of changing your mind as a Jew yeah about this person, Jesus. Well, John's kind of explains it. Well, by the time you get to the book of Hebrews, he's just showing you the, the, well, the, what, I, the I guess what ramifications I was, yeah. of, of their, yeah. their initial get rid of him. Well, I guess what I agree with you. What I was trying to clarify is, 
it seems like, and maybe y'all can just be clear, because it seems like in chapter 5, in verse 12, he says, you need milk, not solid food. And then 6, in verse uh, 1, it says, we need to leave the elementary teachings and go on to maturity. Well, which is it? Yeah, I think... I think he's. I think it's both. both. I think that's the tension. He he said. He said you need to get past the milk, but you're not even like you haven't even really fully gotten the milk yet. Like you're still a baby, and you. But you need to move on towards maturity and towards solid food. But now, when but when I read this verse, and I think a lot of people in our audience, when they read this verse, if they pull out their Bible and you read Hebrews chapter six, just the first eight verses. Like, I don't, I mean, if when I read that as, as an infant in Christ and I did, I read it, I read it like as soon as, uh, me and Jeff, we talked about this on the last podcast, right after the blonde hair incident. And we, we came to saving faith. I read this verse about falling away and it scared me to death. Uh, kind of like the verse about, uh, in, in, uh, in Matthew 12 about to blaspheme the Holy spirit Mm-hmm. is the unforgivable sin. Anyone that would read this as a believer, I think that that it would kind of in, like it, it's going to invoke in you some type of fear like, oh, have I done that? <laughs> have I done whatever the thing is that won't allow me to come back? Like, I, have I gone too far? And that's a question I had for a lot of years, particularly being raised in the churches of Christ, which taught uh, that you could lose your salvation. So you were you're walking with God, then you sin, you got and then you're out and you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in. And that's like one side of this discussion. And then there's another side of the discussion that says, oh, you never can lose your salvation at all, whatever. And there's yeah. the, this tension that kind of meets right here in Hebrews chapter six that we got to kind of deal with. Right. Um, well, I was so, just proposing, I was proposing that my view on it is he's, when, when I see a baby, on milk, I'm thinking born again, because he makes that reference. When you're when you surrender to Jesus, because you have an understanding of who Jesus is, that's how how you're called. You you surrender, and you're it's called born again. So now you need to mature. So I'm saying you got Jesus there, but then when he moves to the next, well, maturity is the participation in that relationship. The, as you participate, now you're you're praying, you're studying, you're meeting with other people, you're worshiping, you're doing all these things, but you're also, Christ is in you. You are now becoming Jesus on the earth. Well, as that continues, you start maturing because you're having all these conversations and interactions and you're declaring you're being an ambassador. So that, that was what I was proposing and because when he gets to this verse four through six all of a sudden it seems to be a participation because it says it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened which i would i would uh venture to say is the the beginning of this because you understand who jesus is but then there's all these action words who have tasted the heavenly gift not just you know, filled out, checked out the boxes on who the heavenly gift is, but ha- have experienced. You recognize it. it. Yeah. 
who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance because to their loss, they're crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. So it's like, it's like an illustration of saying the, the impossibility of coming back to something you should have never walked away from. Right. So uh, that, that was what, nothing that can fill the void, nothing left. So he's, he's wanting them to mature because it's like you wouldn't fall away from my viewpoint, you know, because once you experience that, you would mature. And so it's like it's almost an, an illustration that wouldn't happen. But it's like, well, if it did, then there would be nothing to come back to because you burned the bridge, which was Jesus. Yeah. So I think they if they clearly have set Jesus to the side, which from from chapter one to five, you have to admit they have done that. He so. warned them over and over he he had become a small thing. Well, that 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 can't happen. Which is why I think he said, <clears throat> "Let's take another break." Which is why he used the phrase, "You're crucifying him all over again." When Jesus was on the earth, you had two choices: to follow him, believe he was who he said he was, or crucify him, because that's where the choices came down to. Well, what happened? They crucified him. Then he comes back to life and he says, okay, you got a choice now. You can die with me in my death, burial, and resurrection, or you can try to do it on your own without me. I mean, to me, they were clear choices, and hes that's what he's saying here. Yeah. Wherever you fit into the scale, maybe you thought it was a good idea. Remember, throughout Jesus' ministry, there was a lot of times they believed in him until they didn't. Well, right. So well, ultimately, they, is, so I think that's why he uses the phrase. if he's the only mediator— if in your heart you get rid of the mediator, there's no way for your sins to be exactly. mediated I, about. That's, that's why it's impossible. I don't think the paragraph <laughs> yeah. is talking about falling away. I think it's talking about trying to obtain salvation with Jesus not in the picture. That's it. Well, whatever that is, yeah. it ain't good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, well, when the I mediation mean, there, there stops a, for your future sins that you stumble as you go. Yeah. If you get rid of the mediator, there's no, there's no, there's no one mediator between God and man, the man Christ yeah. Jesus. But, so, there is, but there is a warning. I mean, it is a warning. I mean, I think oh, we got to remember. But that. Zach, it is, it I'm is saying the whole thing's been a warning from chapter one through chapter five. All of a sudden, we get here and start making arguments about falling away. When I'm saying the point is, you you either fall away from Jesus. You know, or or you don't, or you either focus on Jesus or you don't. I mean, the whole thing's been that, about Jesus. That, would you agree that it's evident this was written primarily to the Jewish people, the Jewish Christians? Sure was. What about exactly? Yeah, I think. Yeah, so. I would. I, I, yeah, yeah. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I'm saying. I mean, I'm not saying. Obviously, the whole thing's been about drifting away. You know, from Jesus. So he he said it over and over and over and over. But here, I just think it was an illustration to get them to see you can't go back to some system. Well, without yeah, Jesus, I mean, I he would has say, spoken. I mean, this is the plan. I'm sorry you don't like it, but part of any relationship is 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 you have to hear what's the truth. He is the truth. It's a person. It's not this 
ritualistic setting that was here under under the law. It's just not there. It's gone. I mean, that that's my only point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, the fear is is that we say, oh, you're saying you can lose your salvation, that you can sin too much. No, I don't. There's not there's not amount of sin that a believer can commit that outweighs the blood of Jesus. I mean, right. so. It, so I would say, first and foremost, when you read this as a believer, I think you need to understand this, that that there's no amount of sin that you can commit to where God's going to say, well, that was too many. I allow 665. That was 666. That's Mark of the Beat. That's too, that's my level. You're out. There's no levels. There's no like amount of sin. That's a very legalistic and workspace way of looking at it. But what I do think is possible. You would think, hang, on, let's take, hang on, Dan. Let's take our last break. Out of all the topics, you would think uh, one of the things when he's saying you, you, it's impossible for those who have been enlightened to have grazed and tasted the heavenly gift, who shared in the if they fall away to be brought back to repentance. What's interesting is what y'all's take on that verse twelve, and he ends that little discussion up. You know, you you can blow it uh, evidently, or it's possible to blow it. We do not want you to become lazy. Now, he's talking about spiritual mm. laziness, but to imitate those who through faith, you look at the ones who are not lazy and, and patience, inherit what has been promised. So why would he, why would he pick uh, one of the things we just don't want you to get, we don't want you to be lazy. Because what I, exactly was he did he mean? I think because you wouldn't think well, that would be here, a hellfire offense. I mean, because I have a little different take than Zach. Because my point is, he. I'm going to say this again because I think it fell on deaf ears. You're going to work the laziness in there. Yeah, I am. All right. Because I think seven and eight. <laughs> yeah, I, well, think, I was going to say you got to read that middle part. I mean, it's interesting because I think seven and eight. Is, is a key to understanding this illustration. And he says, land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. So are we back wait, on wait. The, 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 the one you quoted, the parable of the sower? Same, same illustration. Well, but here's why. Because when you, what happens? A person comes to God. Why? Because he encounters Jesus. He understands Jesus. He he hears the gospel. And so he then is born again. Well then God enters him and he becomes useful. It you know, think of all the verses about the field and the crop and the fruit. What is all that? That's a person experiencing Jesus on earth. He's being an ambassador. And I think my whole point about this, which I, I can tell is not not getting across is that when he says, if they fall away, I'm not fo- focused on that. I'm because f- he, I think he's making an illustration. I think he's fo- focused on they're not coming there. It's impossible to be brought back to repentance because to their loss, they're crucifying the Son of God. Well, what happened before that? All these active things, these participation, uh, in the gifts that God provides us, the Holy Spirit, that once you have this Jesus encounter and this experience. So then I think he just says it again right here. It's like a field. It, if you have Jesus and you're drinking 
of that rain that which is the experience of Jesus on a daily basis, what's happening? Fruits. It's cropping up everywhere. It's a, but you take Jesus out, and what kind of field do you have? Verse 8, but land that produces thorns and thistles, there's no Jesus here. There's no experience in Jesus. So what is their biggest problem? They have, they have a religion without the relationship with the who God chose to communicate to the people, which is Jesus. They're trying to, they're trying to have these acts and this lifestyle without Jesus, which is the reason. So then you have no experience on a daily basis. You, you're not reading the gospel saying, well, what, how did, what did Jesus, how did he respond in this? No, you're, you're in a room somewhere offering sacrifices about something and then going out. There's no movement. So you're basically, here. what he goes on to say at the end, you become spiritual lazy. Well, right, because there's no way to work because you don't have the reason. You, there, G, if you, you take Jesus out, soil's not being tilled or fertilized. There's or, no rain coming. Uh, in. Jesus so is you're, the you're, rain. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I mean? So is yeah. your is your is your point that he's almost kind of asking a rhetorical question? He's almost like if you if you were to do this exactly because my my I never gave my thoughts on following. I I believe people from our perspective we fall away because we don't know the hearts of people, and but from God's perspective, I do believe that. Once you're in, you're in because he he he's not waiting or he's not look. He is his his time has stopped for him, so he knows the end yeah, I agree with before that. the begin. I mean, yeah. so but I do safe think to the say passages, you fell away from your initial love, your initial. I mean, if you look at the first three verses, it's obvious they understood it at some point. All right, he kept and now they don't. Yeah, I mean, he kept saying. I mean, he said over and over, "Don't drift away, don't." Because from our perspective, yes, you know, from God's perspective, no, I think that answers the, all the problems. But well, what the, my point yeah. is, that's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. He's trying to get them. I, I, uh, he's trying to get them to see that if you don't have Jesus here, th- these are the consequences of that. I mean, you just look at you can have all these teachings, but have no understanding. You have no participation. You, your life is just. It's a lazy, there's no fruit results. You've missed it. There's no crop. But once you've done all this, and that's why he said, if they fall away, they're not coming back. I mean, to me, because you're crucifying the Son of God all over, that's why I'm saying, I think it's an illustration. Now, what if that does happen? If that's literal, they're not coming back. What would you come back to? Well, you can't I mean, come back without Jesus. That's the point. That's my point. You, right. you, so it's more, either way you take it, I'm saying, I think his, I mean, I'm trying to get his point, which I think the following verses is putting a lot of emphasis on what they're missing out, looking at the ritualistic of their of the Jewish heritage. They're missing out on helping people on a daily basis and God using them to go like Jesus. Look at the gospels. Look at what Jesus did and look at what they're doing. Is it the same? No. Jesus was out with people. He was, I mean, it it was, it's a totally different system. I, I mean, I hate to call it a system, a lifestyle. It's a different lifestyle to what God called them. I mean, that, that's my, that's my thought on it. Yeah, let me say this real quick because pretty cause solid. I, I, yeah, because I've I've read this before. I know we got to end here and go to overtime, but because I've read this and been 
tormented by it. And so I, I do want to just reiterate, like this does end. I mean, there is a warning here. Uh, however, and, and, I, and I see your point, Jace, um, and I think you make some good points. But I, just for hope, you know, read the rest of this uh, the, the verse nine on. It does say we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you would not be sluggish or lazy, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So I think that there, there, what I'm interested in is how do we, and we didn't unpack it this a lot today, but um, I'm interested in, in what, is, what does it mean to have the full assurance of hope? And, and, and so don't misinterpret, because I, I mean, I think there's a lot more nuance to this discussion. Don't misinterpret any of this as, that you can't be sure you can. I think you can be fully assured of your oh, salvation. Not bad. Yeah, not yeah, well, based on what uh, you've done. I, but I based agree on with what that. He's done. It, we're out of time, but yeah, let's let's talk about that a little bit more because I was going to get to that point before you get to twelve about that because he almost like he comes back and says, "No, look, don't misunderstand." So let's flesh that out a little bit more in our overtime before we move on from this context. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.